Hello everyone. I'm really excited today to have my friend Momo on the podcast to talk about the work that she did with a nonprofit called Youth on Their Own, which is a nonprofit that is dedicated to preventing dropout, uh, promoting graduation amongst unaccompanied youth and youth that are experiencing homelessness. Momo, do you want to introduce yourself quickly before we get started? Sure. Uh, yeah, my name's Momo. I'm a graduate student at the University of Arizona studying school counseling, and I also go by they, them pronouns. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. I yeah. didn't know. So Tucson is the fourth poorest city in the U.S., and I'm sh- I kind of wanted to just state that fact as framing for our conversation around homelessness because this is an issue, this is an economics issue of people just not having enough means to safe and affordable housing. So what did you do with Youth on Their their Own? (laughs) Yeah, with Youth on Their Own, or YODO as we lovingly call it, it's... Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We get a lot of confusion with YODA. (laughs) I was going to say it does sound like YODA. (laughs) Was we work with high high school and middle school students, so the youngest could be 12, 11, so 6th grade, to the oldest being 22 Mm -hmm. in high school to get them connected to the social services in Tucson to get them connected to the services that are that Yodo provides which are like uh, a small stipend that they an educational stipend that they get connected to their grades and attendance the basic needs the food hygiene clothing and school supplies that are in the mini mall that are actually at the site on Alvernon there's only one and then what my job was so my job was the title was program coordinator and so I had my caseload the when I left was about a little over 300 um, oh my I, god yeah <laughs> it was a lot and I when I were so were you was that a social worker type position like yeah. you said you had 300 cases so yeah well 300 students so I had and my schools were on the south side so Apollo Sierra Sunnyside Desert View Pueblo mm-hmm. Hollinger those schools over there I had the least amount of schools so I had oh, about wow. 12 13 uh, but I, I had the most students right which makes sense outside of town mm-hmm. is experience is more social economic issues mm-hmm. but other than connecting them to the social services in town or that Yodo provided my role was also just to be another person on their side to mm-hmm. kind of check in when I could because 300 people is a lot of people to try and talk to yeah so is that mm-hmm. the potential of kids that could be experiencing homelessness or was, was that 300 kids that at that moment were experiencing homelessness and also enrolled in school so to be to one of the requirements to be enrolled in Yodo is that they have to be enrolled in school okay yeah and they have to be enrolled in a school that is not online. It has to have a physical building. So Primavera is a school that we couldn't work with, but we could work with like the digital campus for Flowing Wells because there's Flowing Wells High School is where you can physically go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a reason why Yoda wouldn't work with online? Yeah, it's more or less because there wasn't someone we could talk to. So all the schools that we do work with, which is a, which was a, about a little over 100, I think it was like 110 mm-hmm. exactly in Tucson, in the Pima County area, let me say that, because mm-hmm. we were out in Cells and Marana and Vail, was because there had to be a liaison at the school. So someone we could check into to make, for one, to make sure that the kid was going to school, yeah. the student was going to school, to have somebody be an advocate at the school because there's other pieces outside of what we do that gets them even enrolled in a school. So those are some of the reasons why it had to be a physical place. Do you think that there's a gap there with kids 
being most vulnerable to push out and to being forced into these alternative placements that are online. Does that intersect with risk for homelessness at all? Like, is that a gap? The fact that they have to do online school or... Yeah, like a person who is in an online school mm-hmm. and wouldn't have access to Yodo services, for example. Yeah, definitely, because I, it's... I, I, I remember having students who would want to do Primavera because it would be more flexible for mm-hmm. their schedule for work mm-hmm. or for childcare. But there are schools like uh, the Rose Academies, which is also the idea, but they have a physical building. There's about... I think four of them but the whole room is just you go into the building once you pass the office it's a room of computers so Mm -hmm. all their work is on computers Mm -hmm. so as a teacher as an educator I have a big beef with that because that's not learning yeah but I also get that you know that comes from a place of privilege that they get their for for the Rose Academies they get to do work 20 hours in a week and that's it so instead of a typical school day you know they can knock out five hours every day or do one day longer it's also open from like 8 to 10 which also provides a lot of flexibility so there's room there for other students but yeah I could see how that's that's a gap but that's also speaks to capacity for what Yoro could do yeah mm-hmm. and I think it kind of just sounds like the online schools that do have a physical building like flowing wells are probably the better schools because there's actually like staff you can talk to yeah, yeah. I my experience with these alternative schools really showed me how what I feel like I want to say is how easy it is to open an alternative school oh god that's uh, scary (laughs) and you know there's been things in the news where some schools aren't actually accredited high schools which is a problem right right? I don't get how you can just open a school and not be accredited but Mm -hmm. because that's misleading to students who I'm sure enroll thinking that it is accredited and the other issue is that just to go to the U of A, right? There's these, I think it's called the Sweet 16 or Sweet 24 or something like that. They have to take these certain amount of classes. Oh, uh-huh. The like math. 16 credits. Yes. 24 credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That are, that are like the minimum. College bound. Yeah, the college bound credit mm-hmm. credits, right? That most traditional schools, like, will make sure that you will take. So at bare minimum, you can go to the, you can apply to any in-state college. U of A, NAU, Bayesia, right? But with alternative schools, because it's so open-ended and it's just so kind of where they're, what the school wants, what the student wants, you could see that unless the school, if there is a school counselor, let's start there, if mm-hmm, there's one, mm-hmm. sees, you know, quote unquote, the potential for them to go to a four-year college, no one's talking to that student about what kind of classes they should take. They're just saying you need to get a high school diploma. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think these are things that are problems also in like physical, traditional schools mm-hmm. where the counselor, there's a counselor student ratio that's way too big yeah or way too no you're right no (laughs) so i i was reading the like this most recent report that came out from the like association for counselors that in arizona the ratio for counselor to student Mm -hmm. is like one to 900 students yeah Right? Yeah. But the thing is, like, these online schools just take up even that pretense of hiring one counselor yeah. and just don't have any staff, which yeah. is even worse. Which, which, so in Yodo's case, you know, when we need that liaison, right, the person at the school, mm-hmm. sometimes it's the front desk person. Yeah. Which, Who's not necessarily trained in yeah. counseling or yeah. But, you know, she's there every day and she's really nice and she, you know, yeah. checks on the students. But yeah, it's also kind of an extra thing on this person that. They all, yeah, they're not a counselor. If this person comes to them in crisis, they can only help them as like a, re- a, receptionist. Like a receptionist or like a person who cares, right, yes, but right. do you have the extra skills to like navigate through this crisis? Right. 
Yeah, so it's kind of difficult. Yeah. So I wanted to also t explain the demographic of youth that Youth on Their Own worked with because mm -hmm. you mentioned that there's that folks have concerns about childcare and that they also yeah. appreciate a flexible schedule because they're already working and already supporting themselves mm -hmm. economically. So my understanding of the definition of unaccompanied youth are youth whose parents have abandoned them, youth who have run away from home, and youth who don't have any kind of connection that they can rely on economically for help. Yep, that's that's correct. So the thing we always like to say is that uh, youth homeless looks, looks different than uh, adult homelessness, right? When people think of homeless people, they think of, you know, people who live outside, who are panhandling or things like that. That's not necessarily what youth homelessness looks like. There is a percentage of students who do live outside. Mm -hmm. And I've had that and I've had students who choose to live outside. Mm -hmm. I had this student, she was going to an alternative school because it fit, you know, her life and mm -hmm. no shade to that school. They, she, they were good to her, but she lived in a tent. And I didn't necessarily know where, but I know she did. Mm -hmm. And she was pregnant by the time of her senior year. And she was also 21. So she's in that cusp about to not be um, able to graduate with a high school diploma, but she made it work because mm -hmm. alternative schools are flexible. Mm -hmm. But she ended up having, Yoro also did this thing where they had the top 25. So out of our program, seniors who had the top 25 GPA would earn an extra $500 scholarship kind of money. Mm -hmm. That was a grant, uh, private funding kind of thing. It's, mm -hmm. It was very special. But she was one of the students that got it. And I remember talking to her when she found out she was pregnant and, you know, she was very stressed out about that because she's already living a very yeah. difficult life and yeah. trying to focus on graduating high school. And I remember when I was told that she was one of the students, I was like, you need to let me call her. Because I, I think it was that same week that I was I had just gotten off the phone with her or seen her in, in person and like she's crying in my office because mm -hmm. she's so stressed out. Yeah. And I was like, you guys need to let me tell her. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be the one that tells her. That's a beautiful moment. It really was. And like it was so, I know she was so overwhelmed. Oh, because the other major thing was that she was trying to go, because she was pregnant, she was trying to go back to somewhere in the Midwest to visit the family that she did have to like have a baby shower and to you know have like a special moment with wow. them but she didn't have money to buy a bus ticket mm -hmm. 500 dollars all of a sudden oh to buy God. to buy a greyhound and you know some other nice things and yeah. also just take care of herself and so she did that and she moved back over there and the last i spoke with her she sent me a picture of the baby very mm -hmm. healthy baby and you know she's living over there and she found work that's awesome right and like what a big difference just five hundred dollars all of a sudden made for her yeah but yeah so there's students who live outside uh students who live with their grandparents which i know i kind of grew up that way with mm -hmm. my mom working so much so that's not uncommon to me mm -hmm. you live with your nanas your tatas mm -hmm. aunts uncles you live with their older sibling live some students live on their own and they have roommates mm -hmm. or what's another or they're or they're in foster care they're in CPS custody, so they have some kind of kinship placement that's legally by the state, or they or they just have some other kind of foster parent. If a student is legally adopted, they don't qualify for the program anymore. Okay. Yeah. So that's another thing that's a hard conversation because, oh man, I'm so happy for you that you got adopted. Yeah. But also, <laughs> like, I remember 
having a conversation with a student who was a sophomore Mm -hmm. and we did this art competition that I was in charge of hosting that was really fun and so he submitted this art piece that was kind of dark but it was like a picture that was of him as like a fallen angel Hmm. but and the bottom was like fire and he had written words within the fire and they were like drugs and abuse and all these things that he had experienced you know from his childhood his early childhood and him kind of like falling into it but at the top were more clouds and in the clouds were sweet words and i think he it was his grandparents that were like lifting him up Mm. and so his grandparents were the ones that were able to adopt him Mm. and so i remember him you know coming to give me that and and uh you know sharing what the piece was about and he mentioned that his his grandparents were going to legally adopt him like in a couple months like it was going to finally work through yeah and i'm just like that's amazing you know that's so special because it obviously means a lot to him and Mm -hmm. and i'm just like and also (laughs) once that happens like you can't be in the program anymore yeah and so I remember he walked out because he's pretty mad. Oh. <laughs> but I rem- I reached out to the counselor, the liaison at his school, and you know let her know and tried to share some other resources because there are a lot of other resources for students who are in DCS care mm-hmm. than there are for the students who would qualify for Yodo. But he wasn't in DCS, right? At that point, being adopted. After it was like that before point, so he still was. Oh, okay. They were like finalizing paperwork or something. It was like that April because like there was the semester was almost over too. It was so much. Yeah. What yeah. support do you provide at the end of the semester? Are you helping with studying? <laughs> <laughs> no, so Yoro doesn't provide any tutoring and also doesn't pay for tutoring. Okay. Which is also one of my personal beefs, but that's okay. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, our suggestions were always like, did you talk to your teacher? Did your school have tutoring? Um, did you go to the library? The libraries have tutoring. And, yeah. you know, sometimes that isn't enough. And, uh, you know, I wish that was where money could go, but just funding is short in all kinds of ways. But so when finals come around, to be honest, we have to really just back off. Yeah. Because <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Especially around April, like that is testing season, you know, that um, especially for junior, like seniors, SATs. SATs, as well as like the state testing. So benchmark testing, mm-hmm. those kind of things happen in that time. So we, it's not that we're not allowed, like if there's something going on, we can go speak to students, but it really has to work around that schedule. And if there's makeups that day, like we're not going. Mm -hmm. And then May comes around and it's just crunch time, we're probably also not going. Mm -hmm. And that's it. (laughs) That's That's the year. So I had a question about this incentive system that Mm -hmm. Youth on Their Own uses because I think that it's, (laughs) I think it's the mentality behind that is very interesting because it kind of implies that the solution to these kids' problem is like their own motivation. And so by presenting this monetary motivation, then that's going to improve their GPA. But I mean, I think working with Yoro and working with these youth, you can clearly see that there are structural issues that make it really hard to get good grades. I mean, it is so hard to get good grades when you don't have a stable living situation. Mm-hmm. And I just worry that, like, the people... I mean, this story that you just told about the woman who got pregnant and was while living in a tent and then also was 
top 25% in her class, I think that's, like, really amazing. Yeah. And I'm, it's like, the exce- I'm, It's the I'm, exception, though. It's not yeah, the rule, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I hope that, you know, or, like, I'm just so... And I admire her so much for getting that. Mm-hmm. But she's a rock star, and I don't know what benefit there is to holding everybody to that standard. Because mm-hmm. I would just worry that the top 25% will always just be the least needy kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is something that I always... That I also felt that, too, that there... The way I perceived it, the messages I felt that I got that them getting their high school diploma is like a ticket out of poverty, (laughs) which it could, like, it's part of it, but it's not the only answer. I also feel like, exactly like you said, there are structural issues that beyond them getting a high school diploma Mm -hmm. needs to be addressed. That's bigger than Yodo for sure. Yeah. But like, and also that, you know, we're taking this step in their lives, and, I, and just like you said, it's making it seem like, you know, this incentive is only about grades. And yeah, it feels that way, for sure. And there were moments where I had to consistently struggle with my role in this person's life, that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not their counselor. Like, there are things I cannot help with. Mm-hmm. I'm here to talk about your academic success. Mm-hmm. And like, even saying that right now, I'm like, ugh, that's not me. Yeah, yeah. Which ultimately got me interested into the career, like the career I want to move in now. Like I want to be, yeah, (laughs) I want to be a college counselor because I enjoyed that job so much. But it was just like, man, I, the moments where there were real struggles, it was like, I don't know how to help you. Yeah. Like I can listen, but oh man, I do not know what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, so it, it really does. And yeah, it really does. I don't want to say fail, but there's a lapse that for sure there are students who drop out. Mm hmm who drop out completely and just go work. Mm-hmm. And again, because my caseload's so high, there is like a small expectation that to reach out to those students to write, to try to reconnect them to school. But I'm trying to keep on top of the kids that I have. Mm-hmm. So that, that usually didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they would just go into the world and I would never hear from them again. And I would always hope the best. It's the ones that I lose that I knew were really suffering that I like think about still yeah yeah I had this student who he this was and this was out of veil right so we can talk we can talk about like the south side whatever but this is all throughout Tucson right there's schools Mm -hmm. we had students at Catalina Foothills right Mm -hmm. so but this was a student out at veil and he he was out of juvie and back at school but he was also really young. I think he was a sophomore. Hmm. But eventually was put on runaway status because he ran away from, I think, the group home he was staying at or wherever he was staying. Mm-hmm. And he eventually he popped up at, at Yodo at our office to shop. And so, of course, he's on runaway status. I'm a mandated reporter. I got to do something Wait, about when this. when you say shop, what do you mean? Oh, so at the, at the main office on Alvernon, the only office on Alvernon, excuse me, it has something called the mini mall, which mm-hmm. has food, clothing, school supplies, and hygiene supplies. Got it. Which all donated from the community. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, which is like a whole other conversation. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he came in, and after he was done shopping, I was like, hey, man, come over here so we can talk. And, you know, I let him know. I was like, hey, man, I know. I know. I know. And he doesn't deny it. And so we kind of just keep talking. And so I asked him, I was like, well, how do you see this ending? Because once you're on runaway status, like, the police are looking for you. 
Right. Well, so what what happens when you're a runaway status? Yeah, so it's like they get reported as a runaway because he's a minor. To the police. To the police. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think his thing was he also had a parole officer. So I also, because right. he was out of juvie. So I also had to let the parole officer know. Was that a violation of his parole? Mm-hmm. So the police were looking for him so they could take him back to juvie. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'm sure he had valid reasons for running away from the group. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, there's so many stories. There there was a moment in my life where I was a parentade, and I remember having a student who who was in the group home, and he would say every time I'd pick him up to go visit for his dad that people stole his shampoo or stuff like that, or people were getting in fights. It's, like, it's rough, for sure. But as we're talking, you know, I tell him that what I have to do, because it's also, like, I'm not going to lie to you, and... He, it's interesting to see his mood shift because now all of a sudden it's like, well, you can't keep me here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not touching you. Like, you can go. Because if in my mind, like, as much as I want him to get help, it's also like, yeah, I also don't want you to get picked up by the police. Of course not. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, so it's like, I'm tr- like, I'm trying to be honest so you know what your options are. But yeah, yeah. like, I also don't want to do this, mm-hmm. right? That's what's hard about being a mandated reporter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I've previously on an episode I interviewed my friend who's a social worker, and she talked about how she understands why people approach her with distress. She's a mandated reporter, mm-hmm. you know, and she she grapples with the ethics of that a lot. Oh yeah, I I'm taking an ethics class right now, and it's ripping my brain apart. Oh my god! <laughs> but so just to wrap this story up, it's just that he ends up telling me that he'd rather be out in the world than try to go to jail or try to go back to to juvie. Because it was just, he'd just rather, ultimately just like alluding to, he'd rather be in charge of his own life mm-hmm. and just wait for them to find him because he feels like he could hide long enough. And it just, it just broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And when he walked out, I was like, hey man, you know, be safe. And he laughed. And I'm just like, ooh, you know, it's, it's really sad because I can only infer so many mixed feelings he must have that, like, are people really telling him to be safe? Right. You know, does or like he really, how much are people concerned really about his safety? Mm-hmm. And like how much concern does he maybe have for his? Because, yeah. you know, a lot of his drug use, I'm sure, stems from other things. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, the students who dealt with being in and out of juvie or jail, because some of them are 18 and older, were are the ones that really stuck with me. And I had one t- also tell me that, you know, he he was in school and he was in a God, what are those a halfway house you know mm-hmm. they gotta pay to live there mm-hmm. and oh wow yeah they have to pay to live in a halfway house so you're talking about people who are released from juvie and then are jail yeah so they be eighteen yeah and they have to go to this halfway house as part of their probation it's a probation or it's um, and they have to pay for it even they have to pay court, even to crime mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's a very common thing in arizona that i've been noticing yeah that when i found out that, that they have to pay i was just so like i don't get that because it's also really hard to find a job after you've come out of jail mm-hmm. right after you've been yeah. incarcerated yeah but i remember him telling me you know we tried him and his parole officer i spoke with I can't speak to what she's like with him or other things, but mm-hmm. the times I spoke with her, she seemed really concerned and had, had plans and they had talked. But when I spoke with her last to kind of do a check-in, she's like, oh, yeah, he got picked up again. He dropped dirty. You know, he had done drugs or something and came up on his pee test. And she's told me the last thing that she told him or the last thing that he told the parole officer, the student told the parole officer was, it's just easier to be in jail than go to school. Wow. 
because like there's just so many things stacked up against him like finding a job Mm -hmm. like being able to study Mm -hmm. right being able to stay clean stable house yeah being able to stay clean to go to school Mm -hmm. and feel like normal Mm -hmm. and then going through whatever trauma he already did through prison and trying to acclimate to a school setting Mm -hmm. it's it's yeah he he said something like i know where my food's gonna come from wow and like those ones always stick with me because I'm just like that's bigger than him. Mm-hmm. That's not just because he wasn't good at school; he didn't get above C's or bo- or better. Mm-hmm. That's bigger than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to recognize that role of prison in our society mm-hmm. of really just being a, a institution that criminalizes poverty and oh, yeah. <laughs> and also criminalizes mental illness mm-hmm. because. That's criminalization of poverty right there, that he would feel, that he would know and experience that being incarcerated is easier than going to school. Like, and trying to find as, a job. <laughs> yeah, we as a society have failed that person mm-hmm. when that's the case. Absolutely. And he hasn't, he was, I think he was like 18, 19. He hasn't even like started his life, yeah. right? And that's, that's, but that's his life. That's yeah. his experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were talking earlier about alternative placement programs. Yeah. um, So I also have been looking into this recently because it's a very common practice in Arizona and everywhere, really, to push out kids who aren't succeeding academically, who aren't testing well, or who might not graduate because of this benchmark statistics that you're mentioning that people have to take tests for every year. Mm Mm-hmm. And schools want to keep their stats up, and so their kids, the most vulnerable, are pushed out into alternative placement programs, online schools, or just other non-traditional schools. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to discuss the pros and cons with you because, you know, we talked about how the online courses do provide flexibility that allows kids or students who have to work while, or take care of kids while also going to school. But also, I just also feel like there's a quality difference between like a traditional physical school and these alternative placement programs because especially like I think high school is also about socializing I think it's it's also about learning how to be in community it's also it's not just about the academics so what are your thoughts on that yeah absolutely all of that and at the end of the day right people make their own choices for what works best for them yeah but yeah, but I guess my yeah. issue is like sometimes mm-hmm. principals make that decision for kids and say uh, <laughs> that just no, I'm not going to enroll you because I don't think that you're going to graduate in time mm-hmm. before you turn 18. So yeah, yeah, that definitely. I mean, it's before it's before they turn 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But absolutely, yeah. I'm sure that's a message that students have received that makes them feel like they need to go to an alternative school that's still in their district. So like Altavista is an alternative school, mm-hmm. but it's still in the Sunnyside district. But they work really fast. They work in blocks. Mm -hmm. So it's like every three months they're switching classes. Mm -hmm. So you know exactly right. That works for students who need to gain enough credit. Mm -hmm. And there are students who do it and pass and move on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think what you're speaking to, that quality is sometimes I wonder. I'm not in these schools every day, but you know, the snaps, the little snapshots that I see it it does make me question what's this school about what is you know what are they doing for these students Mm -hmm. is it about money because it feels like it's about money (laughs) yeah Yeah. you you mentioned that you felt like sometimes in these alternative placement programs they just care about the student being enrolled so that Mm -hmm. they can get the funding that follows that student yeah there was this one student and he was one that lived outside I we did 
from like my other staff that that you know knew him even before my time there that you could see this degrade in his ability to communicate Mm -hmm. and function a little Mm -hmm. bit when whenever he was around us so we kind of kind of felt like he was on drugs or huffing or something that Mm -hmm. would do that to your brain Mm -hmm. and I remember he he was in that time right it was I think April and or yeah he was going to turn 22 in April and it, so it was kind of, where is, his, where is he at? And I remember calling that school at least twice a week because I, ha- I, keep ha- I had to keep waiting for the principal or some kind of registrar to get back to me because mm-hmm. they were having conversations. They were having conversations about where he was, what he could do, what was left. It was a, it was a lot. But ultimately, after speaking to the student, because I wanna, I also want, I'm also talking to him, like, hey, what are they telling you? How do you feel like you're doing? And he would just repeat the messages that the school was telling him. They said, I can do it. They said, I can do it. They said, I can do it. But every month, as I mentioned, you know, where the, the small educational stipend check comes from, mm-hmm. that comes from grades, from a grade report that we get every month. And every month, it was Fs, or I wouldn't get one mm-hmm. because he wasn't doing well. And attendance also impacts how much money you get. Mm-hmm. So if you're not making, if you miss more than five days in a month that are unexcused, then you lose 40 to 20 bucks just from that. Mm-hmm. And so that's also telling me something, that something's going on at the school or with him. And so as I said, I'm trying to have these conversations with the school, and they said that. They told me on the phone that he could graduate, that he would do it. If, he, if he just applied himself, he could do it. <laughs> and, you know, I think there was a point, too. I'm like, you've met him. So why, you know, why are you kind of setting up these ideas of, quote unquote, applying himself when it's obvious that he has some other kind of mental deficiencies going on mm-hmm. or other things just going on? And it was just kind of like, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, ultimately he did not graduate. Mm-hmm. So all that work that more or less where he was passing, you know, was kind of lost. Mm-hmm. And his choice was to go to G- get a GED. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell you if that's what he chose to do. Yeah. Right, because after after they turn twenty two and they don't, they're not on track to graduate. I have to kind of cut them loose with a pamphlet of resources and say, "Have a good life." Would you get frustrated by how funding would dictate who you could speak to and who you couldn't? It's. I think it 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 was frustrating in the sense that. So let me let me save a bit face though so if a student (laughs) did come in right and they had already graduated and they had questions i would not tell them to leave Mm -hmm. that's not the case it's more like if they were asking for money from us or things like that it's like i can't help you Mm -hmm. and that's usually the thing they because they have the special needs the special needs thing that could help pay for rent or light bills or that kind of stuff and so students come looking for that Mm -hmm. because it's kind of easy compared to other other programs that really make you jump through some bureaucratic (laughs) hoops because if you're funded by the state or federal government you need to be ready to prove who you are how much you make how much your baby weighs like all kinds of stuff yeah and with Yodo, it's a little there's a little more lax because there isn't state funding it's comes from the city Mm. so there's some money from the city and otherwise it's private or uh, not private, like donations, grants, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it does come from the community. People leave their endowments or a will. They leave us in a will, which kind of blows my mind. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. But it was more that the way we could speak about our, 
the way we could talk about the program and who it was available to that I felt like I had a hard time sitting with. So on nowhere on the website, at least to this point that I've known, that they'll put that this is a resource for undocumented students. Mm-hmm. Was it? It is. It is. If their if their if their family was deported and they're living here on their own, they are they can qualify for Yodo because we don't ask for a social security number. Mm-hmm. But nor on that website does it say that that's an option mm-hmm. or that it's also available to DACA students. Mm-hmm. There's there was also kind of conversation around whether or not students who were had children that we have to be kind of not I don't want to say secretive but it had to be it had to just be phrased in this very specific way if, about pregnancy because you know people oh you know some of our donors don't like the idea of unwed teens and da, da, da. Oh I'm just God. like uh <laughs> there's she's right there with like three of her kids like <laughs> yeah and the same thing with the undocumented students oh well that's such a political topic you know and we and it was it was just so much of a i felt like i always had such pu- pushback mm-hmm. when to me it just seems like this is what we already do, so why are you why are you not just saying it? Right. And because there were some some of my personal experiences and some from other other staff that had been had these weird converse, these sideway conversations with the liaisons at schools who were like it it made me question, were you telling undocumented students that they qualify for this? You know, I'm just like, were, were you? No, oh, no. Doing and work, that's why you need to publicize that. That's right? why you need to publicize that. And yeah. doing work with scholarships A through Z, right? We I already know that students who, who get connected to scholarships A through Z already are having a hard time just like saying that they're undocumented to a counselor at school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let alone knowing that this resource is all avail- also available to mm-hmm. them is like another barrier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because when as we look at things, right, I have my social security card ready wherever, right? Here it is because I know somebody's going to ask. And that's kind of the same idea on the flip side for maybe somebody who doesn't have one, right? Someone's going to ask mm-hmm. and then I have to tell. And what does that mean for my safety? What does that mean for my family's safety? Or maybe my parents are, and what does that mean for my parents because I'm applying to the scholarship, or you know, all these other things. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was that that always made me really upset that yeah. I just felt like I was consistently getting pushback about it when it's like, well, we're not, we're not denying the students, and it's like, well, we're contributing to it if we're not putting it on our website. If we're not saying yeah. this is a resource for you, then we're not saying it isn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you're minimizing people that are going to reach out to you because mm-hmm. of all the reasons you said. People are afraid if they're undocumented or if anyone in there, if they live in a mixed status family, mm-hmm. they're afraid for good reason. And you can't act like that decision not put it on the website is neutral. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> of course. So 34% of those experiencing homelessness in Pima County are families with children. I wanted to ask you how homelessness impacts child development. Oof. Because you said youth homelessness is different than adult. So what are the ways in which that's true? So, I mean, in terms of perception, right? So again, you don't, you don't, you wouldn't necessarily know a a student at your school is homeless Mm -hmm. because they're not, they're not in tattered clothes. Their face isn't full of smudges, you know? (laughs) I mean, that could kids are dirty you know they like to have fun but also and also right that's not just how students look especially yeah. being a teenager yeah like you want to like have the best shoes mm-hmm. you want to be cute like all the things mm-hmm. you want to have a cell phone that's a whole other conversation like in this time right that in terms of like how it Im- impacts their 
development emotionally and mm-hmm. socially mm-hmm. can be really difficult because some students don't share with their friends. Yeah. Or they do get some kind of... And I feel like I noticed this a lot working on the east side compared to working on the south side. There's a big cultural difference, I felt, on the east side that it was just so like... Uh, no, they don't need as much help. It's just, you know, it's just their family's a little bit different. It just felt so much more like they, hi- they it was something to hide. It was taboo. Some, it was very taboo, something to be ashamed of, something to be embarrassed about. And with one of the schools, I tried so hard to just be consistent about my presence and being like, it's not about, oh, poor you, mm-hmm. let me give this to you. Or imposing a label. Absolutely, or imposing a label that you're a Yodo student. No, you're you, you're a student, sure. But... I felt like a lot of the time it just felt like, oh, that they would think it's a handout because they're just so pitiful and da 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 It's Mm -hmm. like, no, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. This is, and I always tried to like phrase it that way. This isn't about because like how sad your life is. It's about all the, any of those things. It's about, you know, you don't have to worry about where your deodorant comes from. You don't Mm -hmm. have to worry about where your... You should not have to worry about that. Yeah, you should not have to worry about where your deodorant comes from. You shouldn't have to worry about where your shampoo comes from, where your toothpaste comes from. Where your tampons come from. Yeah, where your tampons come from. Oh, that's a whole whole other beef I got. (laughs) This is about you being able to focus in school, Mm -hmm. right? And so that those things are at Yodo. Get them from there so that the money that you get from your stipend can go to getting a haircut, mm-hmm. can go to getting your nails done, could go to like saving it to buy a concert ticket, whatever you want to do with because that's your money, mm-hmm. right? We have no say over the, the stipend money. I like that. Yeah, it took so much of trying to reframe it like that because a lot of the times I, you know, also growing up with like, you know, this financial instability, there's a lot of stigma around things being free. Yeah. Right? That it's going to be shit, like the quality the quality is going to be low or that it's going to be fired, things like that that that's not totally not untrue <laughs> with some of the things that were at Yodo, but you know, things by donations, we try to weed it out, but things slip by. Yeah. <laughs> But just to let them know, right, that those are things you should not have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And you're in this program because of that. Mm-hmm. But it did. It took a lot. It took the whole school year for them to start requesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, yeah, there's there's a lot of stigma mm-hmm. that I, I can't say that's not, you know, across all town, but just working on those two sides of town that I don't necessarily see as much on the south side. What do you think that is? I think, you know, growing up on the south side, I, I went to Chaparral, Ch- uh, Challenger. I went to Challenger, and then I went to Los Ranchitos, which are no longer schools anymore. But I just feel like the way I would phrase it in my mind is like, because we're all poor out here. Like, it's okay. Like, we all need help. <laughs> yeah. But not to say that there wasn't also that underlying machismo ideas, ideals that I would get pushback for sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I mean, it's like, I can take care of myself. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's true. <laughs> I never said you couldn't. Right. But, all, like, and also... Deodorant is important. We all need help as well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't say that there wasn't that idea, but it was it was definitely different it was coming i feel like it was coming from a different place and yeah that that machismo identity is still over there (laughs) it's still it's still around um it's it would show up when it would it would come time to talking about you know the resources that yodo had not just a check Mm -hmm. because you know i get how money is easy right like they got the money i can do what i want with it but i always try to just push that because when we talked because that's the other thing I didn't, we didn't talk about this yet, but there's a financial literacy piece that Yoro does that also kind of like, it's like good and bad, right? It's those pl- that are just so about 
financial literacy that's always like if you just stopped buying soda you wouldn't be poor right <laughs> right and right, it's right. like that's not how poverty works but in in their in their instances you know it's like yes you if you stop buying deodorant just so you could get it from us then that three to five bucks right. you'd have it right 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 you know but also you know who doesn't want to feel self-sustaining that's the thing that right? i feel like conservatives don't understand it's like it doesn't feel good mm-hmm. because of how our society reacts to receiving help mm-hmm. to be uh, receiving assistance from the government. Yeah. I mean, that's, it took, you said it took the whole school year for them to go to the mini mall. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's like, I think, ultimately the thing that it's like, I can't, as much as sure I'll do this financial literacy with you, mm-hmm. I know in my heart that this isn't what's going to get you. Yeah. Right? You want money because you want to take care of yourself. Because mm-hmm. who doesn't want to, yeah, exactly, feel self-sustaining. Who doesn't want to feel like I'm in charge? Right. For somebody, talk going back to the idea of like child development, right? For somebody who's probably felt so much insecurity, mm-hmm. so much instability, you know, so much inconsistently inconsistency that all of a sudden... I have $140 that I can spend, mm-hmm. that I can do something with. Mm-hmm. You know, there's conversations around, like, sure, you know, when people win the lottery and where that money, and what happens, <laughs> have you heard those mm-hmm. kind of systems? Or what do you mean? So, well, the, I have. Oh, okay, right, so know. when people win the lottery, they say people blow it on the most ridiculous things, and then all of a oh, sudden, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. and then all of a sudden, you know, they're back to where they were, or if not below, like, socioeconomically. Oh. So it's, I wouldn't say it's the same thing, but it makes me think about that sometimes because when we talk about financial literacy, it's about what are you spending your money on as opposed to like, how are you using your money and where is it coming from? Like, and what are where the other, yeah. yeah, and what are the other pieces that are impeding you, right? Because it's yeah. not just about maybe you should buy less coffee because then you'll be a millionaire by the end of the year mm-hmm. or you'll save a thousand dollars all of a sudden. Yeah, I need to pay my light bill, but that's four hundred dollars because of whatever reason and you know what this coffee is the thing that's going to make me happy right now yeah right and so i it just you know go back to the idea of like how it impacts like their development it impacts them at their school right how they're being viewed by their peers it impacts them by being by being secretive you know a little bit yeah and to it must feel like you're living a double life mm -hmm. because you don't you don't share your full life yeah. with and most people. Yeah, and I remember having the student who would say that she would wait, you know, school would come out and she would wait at the bus stop, you know, mm-hmm. with everyone else until everyone was gone. Oh. And then she would get on the SunTran to go home mm. because, like, she didn't want to seem, like, different. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, that's, if that's not just a regular teenage thing, like, I don't know what is, right? But it's also really sad that she felt like she had to yes, do that yeah. because she felt like her peers weren't going to accept her. uphold her. Yeah, yeah, accept her. And then just thinking about, again, you know, the students who are young parents, you know, what that means for them. All of a sudden they have to grow up or, you know, what that relationship looks like. Um, dealt with a lot of students who were in um, abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. That was also really hard. So mm-hmm. tough conversations with Emerge which is a nonprofit here that works with domestic, with domestic violence and families. As well as, again, my, I mentioned students who were incarcerated or who were in juvie, students who are in the CPS system. You mm-hmm. know, As I mentioned, there's a lot of violence that can also go on there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that it's just like, I'm surprised you even turned in your paper. Yeah, honestly. It's, yeah. And, you know, there's so much to say to, their, to resiliency yes. that is just, like, powerful and, you know, but it... 
I, I always kind of have this caveat with resiliency, and it's like, why does it have to happen at all? Right. Why do I have to be resilient to why all these things? Why does that need to be proved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why does the, the resiliency of the human spirit have to be proven? Mm-hmm. Why can't I just... With the same like, group of people over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, historically. Yeah. And it just speaks to, you know, this idea of rest that we're not allowed to have. Yes. Right? Yes. That these, these students are already experiencing that was just like set into motion like way before them Mm -hmm. that if and then they get the messaging that if they just graduate from high school if they just go to the U of A if they just go to Pima sit Mm -hmm. you're good Mm -hmm. and again like there's capacity talking about what capacity can do what Yodo can do you know it's not a counseling service there's not wraparound services Mm -hmm. with housing and counseling and all these other things it's just about academics but it's just it's just so short-sighted, right? Because just because you get a college degree doesn't mean you're going to get a job. That's not what it means anymore, mm-hmm. right? I think, and you know, it's funny. I Before I came over here, I heard that they, you know, all these Amazon buildings are opening and they're starting to pay people $15 an hour. And I'm just like, dang, okay. Like, you know, that's a, that's a good paycheck. Mm-hmm. Even though we know the things that Amazon and their workers are trying, what's going on, right? Yeah. There was a per, the <laughs> the like correspondent was like and this person has he has uh, some kind of science degree biomedical engineering his bachelor's in biomedical engineering but he's working here at amazon isn't that great he's getting paid 15 dollars an hour oh my god no right and i'm just like how does that not break your heart that that kid went to school for such a detailed field right mm-hmm. whenever i hear somebody studying a science i just i'm just like oh i can't imagine mm-hmm. but then to work at amazon because it pays well right yeah. it's you don't go into a science just because you thought it, you know, was kind of cool mm-hmm. or like, I mean, I imagine people also go into it for money, but well, you know, there's some inherent yeah. investment, right? There's some interest, some, some intrinsic interest. I'm just troubled that somebody is in a position that pays 15 an hour that has a college degree because that's pushing out people who don't have a college degree from that position. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's also kind of the conversation now that having a bachelor's is bare minimum, mm-hmm. right? That before yeah. it used to just be having a high school diploma. And so as much as, yes, the push to get a high school diploma is important, you know, there's, there's much more deeper conversations that should be having with students that I know there's other staff there that also try to, but, it, you know, the overarching message is academics, right? Graduate yeah. from high school. And then from the other side, there need to be job opportunities that pay well, mm-hmm. that are unionized, oh, yeah. that don't require a college degree. Mm-hmm. And you know, the other thing that was always kind of hard for my, my values was when students would say they were going to join the military. Yeah. And that's a common pathway for poor folks of color. Yep. And there's, I don't, I think it's still there, but there's this billboard that's like on Park and 36, like right where that Walmart, the Tucson marketplaces. Mm-hmm. I think it's an army one that it's like earn more than respect. And, <laughs> and I'm just, oh man, you know exactly what you're doing, right? Because mm-hmm. for, right, people experiencing this super inconsistency, and it's like, well, earn respect mm-hmm. and earn 40K right out the bank. Like, who wouldn't want that? Yeah. And like for undocumented folks and people of color, I think they also see participation in the military as potentially a way to be accepted by this white society. Mm-hmm. You we know, it used to be a pathway for heart. citizenship. Oh my God, 
No way. Yeah. When was that? I want to say, like, it's not anymore, but I want to say it was very recently, like, maybe 90s, mm-hmm. that it was a, it used to be a pathway for citizenship. Wow. That you could, if you were undocumented and you joined the military, that there's all these promises, right? Mm-hmm. But if you died during combat, it would, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be buried in the, you know, the military gravesite you oh wouldn't get god. the 40 you know 40 things salute oh my god. you wouldn't your parents your family your wife whoever wouldn't get you know the benefits that are usually left to mm-hmm. military spouses mm-hmm. none of it wow and i remember when i learned that i was just so disgusting. No, it's disgusting yeah. right it's mm-hmm. just so that speaks to how much the military is using people's bodies yeah. for their their game mm-hmm. right and then when students tell me that who again are experiencing all this inconsistency and it's like i'm gonna get a job i'm gonna get paid i'm gonna go to someone's gonna pay for my school so appealing right you're gonna take care of all these things and i just gotta show up where do i sign or or when kids tell me they wanted to join the border patrol it's a whole other thing and i remember it was with some kids who were latino right and they would be like well because isn't border patrol 70 percent latino yeah yeah because i'm latino and i understand or you know whatever other people's reasoning and i'm just like (laughs) understand what I know. I mean, that was not to say that the Border Patrol's place hasn't been any different than it is today. I just feel like we're just seeing more of their thing. Their height, their their militarization has increased, but their role has not changed. No, the mission of that organization has never changed. Yeah, yeah. It's just their their militarization and their physical presence, funding. Yeah, all that stuff has changed. Yeah, but yeah, this the I think that kid told me like at least. Now, one full school year ago, when I was talking to a senior at a school here in town, that that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to join the Border Patrol. And, of course, I'm a professional, right? So I'm yeah. trying to fix my face. Yeah, I'm not... neutral. <laughs> yeah, you're paid job. And just, you know, I just asked, so what got you interested in that? Oh, God. And all the things we just listed off, right? You know, I know where, I know I'm going to get a job. I know I'm, they're going to pay for my school. I'm going to make such and such because a recruiter came to my school and told me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's like a whole other conversation, you know, they're predatory. So predatory. Yeah. You know, they promise all these things and then though that talking about the machismo identity, right? This conception of what manhood looks like and protection and Mm -hmm. you're protecting your your community and you're protecting your nation. Mm -hmm. How is that not appealing in it? But but are you being honest with what they're doing while they're over there and what happens when they come back? It's it's well, again, so, it's the question of why does yeah. that need to be true? Why do yeah. people of color need to sacrifice their bodies in that way? Mm-hmm. You know, in proof of what? Yeah. When our home countries have already been colonized, exploited. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my thing is I don't know anything to anybody and every scholarship I get Every cool job I get is in reparation of Yo. the Salvadoran Civil War in the 80s. Hey. I I'm maintain st- that. <laughs> I'm still here standing for Puerto Rico. Yeah. You know? <laughs> of course. But, you know, it's funny because I, I was thinking about this kind of the other day. Because talking about scholarships, right? I And maybe you share this similar story, right? When I write my scholarship essay, it's about what I've overcome. And, you know, I'm just like from the South Side. I'm poor, but I like got these grades and I did all these things. So wouldn't you want me in your program? Mm-hmm. If I was just like sitting with that, I was like, what do people write who don't, who that's not their story? <laughs> that they haven't. They write about their volunteer trip to Cuba. Right? <laughs> oh no, their, yeah, their missionary trip to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's probably what they write about. And how, oh, you know, just like, you know, we're really all the same at the end of the day. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I learned from Carla. Yeah. <laughs> 
unaccompanied homeless youth are the hardest subpopulation of homeless folks to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? I think part of it is kind of what we already talked about, the stigma mm-hmm. that students don't want to self-identify. They don't want to self-identify. They don't want to self-identify. I think there's also, and this isn't necessarily just because of Yodo, but there isn't, I don't think there's an acknowledgement of resources. So it's, it's kind of this common saying that Tucson has the most nonprofits per capita we're still really small, but we have like the most in Arizona. In two, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm you honest, look that up. Cite me. <laughs> no, but honestly, all that says a lot about Arizona. Yeah. Tucson has more nonprofits in, in other areas, mm-hmm. but it's still not a lot. Yeah. That's very wild right? to me that Tucson but it's, has But I mean, the you most. think about what's the point of nonprofits? Mm-hmm. There are yep. safety nets for lapses yeah. in, in, in structure. Yeah. Yeah. In yep. like institution in market, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we can criticize the nonprofit sector all day, which I'm here for, but as well Same. as you know, <laughs> as well as you know, recognizing why they exist and what purpose they're serving. Yeah. But we could talk about you know white saviors fun- funding <laughs> funding nonprofits yeah. as well in that conversation. But I feel like you that know, theme comes up a lot on my podcast. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> white saviors. If they're not writing checks, then what are they good for? The shoe fits. <laughs> Yeah, that, that self-disclosing, I think, knowledge of what resources are available to them, just like we mentioned about undocumented students not knowing that this is a resource for them, as well as, you know, it's, I think it just takes a lot to ask for help yeah. in general, right? Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of what age you are, to admit that you can't do something takes a lot. Yeah. I mean, this is such a vulnerable population. It's just like, I'm not surprised they're transient. I'm not surprised that it's hard to keep track of folks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's the other piece is that, you know, just because of, especially with students who are in DCS, they could be bumped around placements. There's kids who probably, who I think were at least, at least in just like that one school year, my last school year, went to at least three different schools and had three different program coordinators because we're all, they were all different sides of town. Mm-hmm. And... That was like in one semester, mm-hmm. right? So in four months, that kid went to three schools. Right. And I think that speaks to also their... The instability we've been talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And how they don't have cell phones because no one's paying for them, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And the minute they turn 18 or they turn 16 and they can get a job, that's also the the moment we stop seeing them around. Right. And there's also this statistic that I, I had learned from a training around sex trafficking Mm -hmm. that if they've ran away at least three times by the last time they're probably being sex trafficked wow yeah statistically more likely than not Mm -hmm. wow and it's like so i i knew of one student there who that was her history and it was you know speaking of how trauma and like child development how it impacted her Mm -hmm you could really see it yeah you know working with all these students and you can see you know where everybody kind of fits in the middle and like okay this is more or less normal Mm -hmm. you could see where her ability to like make connections with folks was really hard she like talk about people being shy like this was a whole other level and just like her being able to trust was another thing and her being able to believe herself was a whole other conversation because it's like I could talk to you all day until I'm blue in the face about how you're doing great and you just keep going but you know if you don't believe that you can do it because that message has kind of already been lost from so much time of this messaging that she's already gotten it's gonna take a lot more than just me saying do your homework to get this check to repair that so that's you know that's also something that students experience it's it's very interesting because I think, you know, talking about what youth homelessness looks like, there's, and not to say adults don't experience these things as well, but it's, 
it I think it really makes you step back when it's they're 16 yeah they're their kids they're kids mm-hmm. and you know they say your frontal lobe hasn't even fully developed to your 25 oh yeah <laughs> so you know how that's how, why I ask about child development because it yeah. does the high level trauma like that really mm-hmm. can permanently alter your brain chemistry yeah absolutely and yeah. you can I like I said in some of the students especially the ones who were older you could really see it in their their self-concept how yeah. they talked about themselves mm-hmm. and there was really this common message of I'm behind I'm behind I'm behind and I would be like you're behind who right who are you behind right and And why and why right that because like their ideas that they're or like a lot of the messaging i feel like and how i understood it was that that they're failures because they're behind and that there's so much time lost and they should be doing better and it's just like but why who whose timeline are you on Mm -hmm. who's telling you this that you should be better right and i wouldn't knock that someone it literally in their life is saying that they're a failure or saying mean things like that but it's also like you know at some point that message stays in there and they just start telling themselves Mm -hmm. and so right that's the next level of what keeps them kind of this in this loop Mm -hmm. right that when we're talking about how development works that and how that shows up as adults right right because just because you you get your high school diploma if you still don't have skills coping skills mm-hmm. if you still don't have communication skills like all these things that we know now you know i'm almost 30 and i still feel like i have to think about how to write an email oh my god <laughs> yeah. why do i put the subject line as that yeah. i that's it just feels like such an assumed knowledge mm-hmm. in youth because yeah. they got computers they got the phones they know they know how to open youtube when they're babies it's like sure but do they know how to search do they know how to Google search? Do they know how to write an email? Because I've read a those polite, emails. A polite email. I've read those emails, and I'll tell you, my favorite email names are the ones that are so weird. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> you know, one thing I will I will shout out Sunnyside is because, and I think, yeah, I'll just say Sunnyside, because they give them a school email. Mm-hmm. There are some other districts too, but I specifically remember Sunnyside in my mind. But they give them a school email, so it's mcabrera at susd12.org, as opposed to Hello Kitty at gmail. Oh my god, I don't even want <laughs> hot princess at hotmail, and hot like, princess. oh my god, they're ridiculous. Or, <laughs> some of them did surprise me when they were still like Yahoo or hotmail, I'm like, what year are you from? <laughs> you know, my mom yeah. still uses Yahoo, my immigrant mom still uses <laughs> Hey, you know, <laughs> if I can still log in, it. it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> So we've been here for about an hour, and I don't okay. want to keep up too much of your time. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that you felt like we didn't get to talk about? I think when we were talking about their demographics, mm-hmm. I don't know if I completely touched on that. You can share now. Sure. So yeah, so you know, just to be more concrete about it, the age range is you know sixth grade to twelfth grade, about eleven, twelve to twenty-two. There, the students are. The, oh, you know, you know, we didn't talk about my queer students. Oh, you know, the C, forgetting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, because mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah. No, go ahead. No, yeah. <laughs> right, you know, statistically, yeah. queer yeah. and trans students or students who are identify under the LGBTQ plus like identity are more likely to be homeless to experience homelessness, mm-hmm. right? Rejection from their families because of rejection from families, and I know I had a couple students under my time in my time that were transitioning mm-hmm. or were you know wanted to mm-hmm. 
and that was part of the reason why they were out of their home and to speak again i guess to speak more to that uh, self-concept and child development one of the resources that yodo has is that you can get a shoe gift card and like that's really cool it's like to famous footwear or something like that so you get like a solid pair of shoes for 60 bucks or something like that and i remember telling this student to be like to use it because they get one once a year mm-hmm. so like if you're there all four years or however long you are you should get one every year mm-hmm. and they would always tell me oh no miss i don't want to ask like it's too much like you guys already do so much for me like i don't want to take it away from someone else and you know wow. yeah and it's just like no like this for one there's one for everybody more or less right yeah if you ask it just shows how individualistic mm-hmm. that person perceives society yeah. to be i mean and it's very true yeah that is how u.s society is built but how strange is that she wouldn't think that oh this is like collectively for us mm-hmm. and part of it is mine because i'm a part of this community yeah exactly and you know with students who were going to like come out to the family that they did have or i had a student in my time as well like repair a relationship with their mom mm-hmm. which yeah it's really special and he's he's live i can't you know i can't i don't want to throw thriving around because like i feel like i don't know i don't know his day-to-day life <laughs> yeah, right yeah, but yeah. what i've seen and what he's shared thriving. yeah <laughs> but what he shared he seems okay That's and like way. happy mm-hmm. and so he does performances and for drag and things like that and he just he seems like you know he's he's moving towards what will continue to be stability mm-hmm. and that was also like a message i tried to like share with them right that Oh, I remember this girl very specifically. She she was 18, and her thing with her mom was just very, got real hot, real physical, real fast. And she would say that same message that, you know, I'm behind, and like, you know, because she was supposed to graduate that year, but I don't think she did. And how I remember telling her, I was like, you know, I asked her, I was like, you, you know when I first got my car? Like, my car? Mm-hmm. And she's like, when? And I was like... I think I was 26. Yeah. <laughs> my car. My car that I went into debt for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my car. You want to talk about things, right? And so, and that's still, I feel like that could still be pretty young. Yeah. But it's also yeah, like, yeah. you know, there's these concepts that I also had to outgrow that what my life should be looking like at 20. Like I should, I graduated, I should have a job, I should da da da, I should have a house, mm-hmm. you know, I should have a family or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Things, things that society tells me I should be doing that I'm not, and then more or less will get in my feelings about, but I also have to, because for my students, right? Like, your life does not have to look that way. Just because your friends are driving, like, yes, that would be fun, but that doesn't mean you're less because you're not, mm-hmm. right? And your timeline is gonna look like whatever your life needs it to. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're impacted by your life. Mm-hmm. No one Only else. you went through the specific experiences that you went through, mm-hmm. all the specific obstacles. And yeah. So you're at where you're at. Yeah, you're at where you're at. And it was funny because she laughed at me for one and was like, dang, miss, that took forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wasn't the fact that I got a car. It's the fact that I got my driver's license. Oh, yeah. okay. So that was the thing. So I'll backtrack that. It was the fact that I got my driver's license. And it was just, I, I mean, for me, it was because, like, I was afraid of driving yeah and like i didn't have anybody to show me i took the bus so it was kind of like whatever it, mm-hmm. it was i was able to hold off learning needing to do it because mm-hmm. i i didn't i didn't have all these other reasons why mm-hmm. or possibilities for me to do it mm-hmm. and so right like sharing that with her 
like I said, she laughed at me, so that kind of like was like, okay, rude, but <laughs> but you know that's part of the rapport. Attention. Yeah, yeah, diffuse yeah. attention is part of the rapport. But you know, I, I'm sure it kind of like helped click in her mind that's like she, you know, she must see me here, and though know, we had a really good relationship, that she shared a lot of other things. So it's like I'm, I feel like it helped her get that. Just because like there's all these things you would like to do doesn't mean they just happen tomorrow or just because right there's yeah it takes it takes time success isn't linear yeah and, success you know, isn't we linear all, we have we move forward we move back and that's kind of just life yep <laughs> so let's end on that note yeah <laughs> thank you so much Momo and I hope you all enjoyed this interview yeah thanks for having me bye bye. bye.